أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولو أننا نزلنا إليهم الملائكة وكلمهم الموتى وحشرنا عليهم وحشرنا عليهم كل شيء قبلا ما كانوا ليؤمنوا إلا أن يشاء الله ما كانوا ليؤمنوا إلا أن يشاء الله ولكن أكثرهم يجهلون وكذلك جعلنا لكل نبي عدوا شياطين الإنس والجن يوحي بعضهم إلى بعض يوحي بعضهم إلى بعض زخرف القول غرورا ولو شاء ربك ما فعلوه فذرهم وما يفترون ولتصغى إليه أفئدة الذين لا يؤمنون بالآخرة وليرضوه وليقترفوا وليرضوه وليقترفوا ما هم مقترفون الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد الحمد لله today we will be inshallah covering the summary of the tafsir of the 8th juz of the Quran and there are several themes in here it's a continuation of surah al-an'am and the reason why it's called An'am, we didn't discuss it yesterday, but today, inshallah, if you haven't worked it out already, then it will be coming today. The discussion of the An'am will be, inshallah, coming soon. Uh, and then after that, starts Surah Al-A'raf. So you have An'am, and then through half the Jews, once half the Jews is complete, then you have Surah Al-A'raf. So inshallah, we'll discuss Surah Al-A'raf. They're very different surahs. As you know, it's Surah Al-An'am, the major theme in Surah Al-An'am, aside from a few rulings here and there, it's more of argumentation. It's more about responding. It's more about stating facts, giving the Prophet ﷺ a lot of guidance in terms of how to respond and providing numerous uh, factual details, especially those which uh, people can relate to that are axiomatic, that are fundamentally inherently understood by people. So... At the end of the seventh Jews yesterday, they, the mushrikeen, they kept asking just as a delay tactic or just as excuses, they kept asking about uh, to bring on new mu'jizas, new miracles, uh, new signs. And they finally said that, you know, you also need to bring us a f- more physical miracles as opposed to the Quran, like physical miracles. They were asking to do some really extraordinary things. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they really don't want to believe that even if we're to basically bring down, if we're to put onto the earth numerous angels and the dead are to even speak to them, 
and we bring basically everything for them, still they would not believe. Unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills, unless Allah has written it for them, they're not going to believe. Because and the majority of them are very ignorant. So it's a lot of foolishness. It's not even clever ideas. They're missing the point. They're not even very intelligent. Right? If they're intelligent, they'll at least understand. But these guys were not even very intelligent. They're very foolish. And then to console the Prophet ﷺ, Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًا You know, for every Prophet, there has to be some, you know, the, uh, we, we've, we've designated certain enemies for every Prophet, who are shayateen al-ins. They're basically the friends of the shaitan. They are the shaitans of the humans. They're the human devils, wal-jinn, and from the jinn. And they basically communicate with one another. They spread information to one another. Zuhruf al-qawli ghura, deceptively, just embellished speech and so on. And if, if Allah willed, they would not have done so. Just let them carry on doing. That's their job. Let them carry on doing that. You do your task. Those who are good will inshallah accept your message. Those, uh, so then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <clears throat> says, don't worry about their mockery, their sarcasm, their criticism, and everything else. And there's no need to send any other mu'jizas. The Quran is the greatest mu'jizah, especially for them. It's the greatest miracle for them because those people were the people of this language, right? Were, were the people of this language. They understood this language, they appreciated the language, and it totally amazed them. On numerous occasions, I mean, some of them, arch enemies, they would go to listen to what the Prophet ﷺ is relating, uh, reciting, and they couldn't leave. So it was just amazed because, you know, when something is so amazing, you just get bowled over. So then when he would come back, meaning when this enemy, whoever he was, would come back, his friends would say, they'd look at his face. It's like, sabot, like, have you left the deen? Like, have you left our faith? Because the Qur'an, I mean, especially for the people of the language, it's just amazing. That is the biggest mu'jizah that we have, that is the biggest. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu Akbar. وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا So we're moving on to verses 114, 115. Don't want to go through all of this. 116 now. Allah says, وَإِن تُطِعْ أَكْثَرَ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يُضِلُّكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Now that's a, very important, that's a very important fact mentioned in the Qur'an, that if you were to obey the majority of those who are on the earth, meaning the majority of the inhabitants of the earth, at any given time, they'll actually take you away from the path of Allah. Because, and it says why? Because most people are ignorant. Imam Dhabi has mentioned that if there's one malady, right, one illness that is always going to be a disability for the ummah or for people in general throughout history, it's going to be ignorance. What we mean by ignorance is that you don't know what Islam is truly and correctly saying. So even if you're Muslim, you're assuming there's a lot of cultural input, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of exaggeration. So the true knowledge is lost. That, that's why the, the true knowledge to such people would be lost. And that's why there's ignorance. That's why when people are ignorant, but they think they're right, that's even worse. To have just enough knowledge to think you're right, but not enough to know where you're wrong. It's a very important thing to understand. You've only got a bit of information, you think you're onto something, but you don't have enough to really understand that, no, I don't really have enough yet. So 
then Allah says in the same verse 116, They're basically just shooting in the dark. They're, it's all conjecture, they're just making up stuff. It's what they think, it's what is embellished in their mind for different biases and reasons. Shaitan and so on and so forth. It's your Lord who is most knowledgeable, most aware of the one who's deviated from his path because he is the most knowledgeable of those who are guided. So that's a very important fact that's mentioned and people need to really understand this. Uh, and I'm going to belabor this a bit more because really our survival as an ummah, not just in this world but also in the hereafter, but especially in this world, our unity, our collective effort for the right thing, uh, motivation can only come from true knowledge. And for that you need to study. If you look uh, just around you, like all of our listeners, like if you just think about it, right? The no Islamic knowledge that you have, unless you've formally gone and studied, the minority of us have formally gone and studied, anybody, most other people, just think about other people in your family if you've studied, but others haven't. Then where is their Islam from? Their Islam from, will be literally from what they've assimilated if they're born in a Muslim house. The Islam will be from the Islam that they've assimilated growing up, the bits that they've heard from their parents, who were not necessarily the best teachers. I mean, they were good, mashallah, if they made us Muslims, Allah thank them, right? But they weren't academic, uh, they're not teaching us Islam formally, are they? Then maybe the, the teacher in the madrasa, in the maktab, or in the masjid that we went to, right? But again, we were young when that was told to us. When people have become mature and discerning, an adult and looking at things in an adult way then think about it a lot of people have not had any input direct input of Islam afterwards they're just going by what they've studied when in a young age and what they observe and the few forwards that they get but there's no formal study nobody's read a book very few people even though there's just so much available right in the form of video audio written and so on now take courses it's really important to do concentrated studies of different subjects right as much as you can you got your life to do it otherwise we don't want to be part of these people that who will just take you away from the path of Allah and they're just following conjecture they're just following just dominant opinion just following their inclinations and so on then after that the next few verses which we're not going to go into is a reiteration or a further clarification of uh, not eating haram Right, especially haram meats, do not eat. I mean, laying down the default, do not eat. لا تأكلوا مما ذكر اسم وما لكم لا تأكلوا مما ذكر اسم مما ذكر اسم الله عليه. And ولا تأكلوا مما لم يذكر اسم الله عليه. وإنه لفسق. Do not eat that on which Allah's name has not been mentioned, because that's a transgression. وإن الشياطين ليوحون إلى أوليائهم ليجادلوكم. Why do people come and dispute with you? Why do these Islamophobes in the media, why do these various different um, editorials and journalists and so on, and, and, any, and anybody else, even politicians, why? Allah says it here. It's a shaitan that inspire to their friends that they should debate with you. It's an inspiration of the shaitan. It's a whispering of the shaitan. It's guidance of the shaitan that he must do that. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, just to give some understanding of the distinction between good and bad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 122, 
كذلك زين للكافرين ما كانوا يعملون that is a comparison here that the one who's dead and then we've given them life there was somebody who was unexistent we gave them life and then after that we designated and appointed for them some light by which they walk among people they know what to do the light spiritual light can they be like the person who is still in darkness who's not even going to get out of it it's the same this is this is it is this way that uh, for the disbelievers their actions have been ad- adorned make them think it's good that these this is modern it's not old fashioned human beings are old fashioned human beings are as old as time as old as you know adam alayhi salam and uh, the characteristics and so on is perennial right so just because people are now doing something different in this 21st century that doesn't mean it's superior it's no, we've not even had a century of this new idea it's only been 50 60 years subhanallah whereas humans have lived for centuries before that and what was good for them right you know okay there are certain things we've definitely updated but there's a lot of stuff that we'll only find out in 50 100 years when people really when the hype is off when people really start thinking about it then you then then they'll they'll probably look back and say that this was a lot of this was a big mistake a lot of aspects a lot of ideas were were a big mistake so a person has to be very careful and allah then says that wa kadhalika ja'alna fi kulli kulli qaryatin akabira mujrimiha liyamkuru fiha we basically in every area you're going to have those people who uh, are going to be doing some kind of plotting and a uh, bit of deception there they really only doing it to themselves is this the sunnah of allah on the earth that this happens then it's a beautiful verse which is the verse of sharh inshirah aside from alam nashrah laka sadrak this is more broad and that's verse 125 fa man yuridillahu an yahdiyahu yashrah sadrahu lil islam wa man yurid an yudillahu yaj'al sadrahu dayyiqan haraja ka'annama yasa'adu fis sama' whoever allah wishes for whoever allah wills for he guides him subhanallah and he expands his breast for islam he expands his breast for islam this is a gift of god when we were studying the evidences for the existence of god i thought let's do a bit of a a research scientific develop a scientific research get some atheists like 20 atheists and put all the different proofs and see which one are most effective when i read this verse i realized that while proofs can have some effect to a certain degree ultimately it's up to allah that's why there's some atheists they 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 know it'd be easier for them to believe because they've had to disown families be disown them etc etc but they just can't believe there's something messed up and a lot of the time it's because of something we've said or done some kind of blasphemy which puts the veil on the heart may allah protect us and our children and our progeny and everybody and then allah says that and whoever allah uh, wants to leave to stray then he just constricts his breast and because very difficult then it's like it's almost like you know they're climbing up hill it's very difficult for them to to believe allah protects us from that's a very important verse it's something to really think about and then allah just reiterates hada siratu rabbika mustaqima this is the straight path of your lord 
قَدْ فَصَّلْنَا الْآيَاتِ We've made the signs very clear for people who take heed and they think and reflect. لَهُمْ دَارُ السَّلَامِ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ May Allah grant us دَارُ السَّلَامِ says that when they will come there, then the angel will say, Salamun alaykum, Salamun alaykum bima sabartum, fani'ma uqbad dar. That's in another place. But here, in verse 130, it's saying, for them is the darus salam, the dar of peace, the dar of well-being, the abode of well-being by their Lord. He is their, he looks after them, he is their friend. Bima kanu ya'malun, is because of what they used to do. Remember, Paradise, there's no worship in paradise. There's no obligations paradise. Because this world, we're obligated to do things because this is Darul Taklif. That paradise is Darul Diyafa. It's an abode of hospitality. Allah is the host. And when Allah is a host, a good host, the generous host, open-hearted host, nothing of yours, no luxury, whatever comfort you want, nothing will be left inshaAllah. May Allah make us of those. We move on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hidayat and the guidance is in the hands of Allah. That's what we learn from these verses. Now, uh, what's next is Allah by these verses shows a clear distinction about the hereafter. But you see, that's the crux. Belief in the hereafter. Anybody who's got a serious belief in the hereafter, and I, when I'm talking about, I know we believe in the hereafter as a tenet of faith. It's al akhir. It's there. Ba'thi ba'd al It's there. But it's not a reality for most of us. Once for anybody, the hereafter becomes a reality. We actually realize, yes, I'm going to go there. And I better prepare for it. It's like, I've got a holiday booked in December. I don't, but um, if I've got a holiday booked in December, I, I'm not going to, I mean, most people are not going to worry about that holiday from now, are they? They're not going to start packing their suitcase. Right? They've just got the ticket. We've bought the ticket. La ilaha illallah, we bought the ticket. That's the ticket, right? So we know we got it. By saying la ilaha illallah, we bought the ticket. Now, as the days get closer, generally you're supposed that as a person gets older and closer to December, then you're going to start getting more worried. But some people, even in November, they don't care. Even in December, even two weeks before, they're like, don't worry. Maybe a day before, I'll pack up. I, last minute, I've got a list. Just pack up last minute. Some people are very savvy. They got it all sorted. They'll be fine. Because... They're very used to, they've, they've, they've organized it all. They can pack at the last minute because they've already organized their, their life is, still, is already in order. Same kind of thing. If you notice, when you've got a whole holiday like that, you've got somebody's going to come and visit you, you're like, okay, they'll come, they'll come. And then when it gets closer, you start getting stressed. You got, we're not saying get stressed here, but we're saying get worried, get concerned. It's definitely something to worry about, about the hereafter. If that feeling of mortality, I'm going to die and then I'm going to stand in front of Allah, the whole life changes. That is when a person's life really changes. And the sooner that can happen to us, the better, inshallah. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given lots of promises here. Um, Allah can take you away, bring somebody else if He wants to. Allah is ghani. Allah is totally independent. He doesn't need anybody. But He's full of mercy. Now, to move on, it's mentioning a number of foolishness of the Quraysh. They were very foolish. I said, huge ignorant. Why is that whole time called ignorance? Jah- jahiliyyah. Like, you know, you've got a lot of other decadent times in history. But why is this one not called just decadent? It's actually called jahiliyyah, ignorance, because it was proper darkness. They'd been away from a prophet for a very, very, very long time. 
And when that happens, then it just gets worse. You need guidance. You need an update of guidance for things to be maintained. Otherwise, it just degenerates. That's the nature of the world. It degenerates. So over 500 years without a prophet there, because Isa alayhi salam, there were other prophets in Bani Israel. After Isa there was 500 and something years. No prophet. Especially for the people of Makkah. They had no scripture, nothing. So uh, part of their foolishness, they'd come up with all sorts of different ideas. right? Innovated all these ideas. So most of it was to do with animals. Animals are a big thing for them. Like we have cars, animals are a big thing for them. And that was a good source of food, of good food and so on. So they would say, okay, these animals, these are only for Allah. Um, and these are for the people But those that are for Allah Then they would eat themselves as well They would I mean They would make up all of these different ideas Another one of them was that um, Like Allah says here وَجَعَلُوا This is from verse 126 And onwards وَجَعَلُوا لِلَّهِ مِمَّا ذَرَأَ مِنَ الْحَرْثِ وَالْأَنْعَامِ نَصِيبًا Right from their crops And from their cattle So it's the verse The, the, the use of the word has come now An'am Suratul An'am An'am is cattle Na'am an'am Cattle basically Right So It says that These In their opinion According to their claim Are for Allah And these are for our partners Now Whatever was for their ascribed partners they, That would not go For the sake of Allah But whatever was for Allah They would actually give So if Allah They believed in Allah They believed in a superior Lord They just believed all of these other idols To be intermediaries That's very clear As mentioned in the Quran Right, because they couldn't see Allah. But it seems like Allah was the least in their mind. These were more prominent and conspicuous for them. What bad judgment. Second foolishness was the killing of their daughters. That is just, I don't know if any other group in the world has done that. Where they've just basically slaughtered their daughters alive, right? Because of economic reasons and just reasons of pride and honor, subhanAllah. Islam came, away, came and did away with that. This is verse 137 actually, sorry, I was saying 126, 130, 20, 136 and 137. And then, Okay, these are specially sanctified animals. Nobody can eat them except those that we want. Right? And so on and so forth. And uh, then another foolishness was in, uh, mentioned in 139. If an animal was pregnant, one of the cattle was pregnant, they would say that whatever, whatever the, these embryos, this new child, that is only going to be for our male folk, not for our female. So that's why they're saying On our wives they can't eat it But now if, uh, if it comes out dead If the embryo was dead Then they're both fine with it It's like what logic is that? That's why Allah says This concept of foolishness No knowledge Unawareness Ignorance um, at loss are those people who've killed their children foolishly without knowledge. And they prohibited that which Allah has sustained them with. They, they've made unlawful rather. Right? And they're doing this by slandering Allah, by basically uh, 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 saying that attributing this to Allah, this false notion. 
Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after mentioning all of this discusses some of the great bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to people. Because remember, this is still Surah Al-An'am, a lot of inherently understood facts. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns again. There was already a bit of discussion. Now there's more discussion on fruits. Zaytun, your olive and your pomegranates. You know, you don't have banana mentioned in the Quran. You don't have the apple mentioned in the Quran. And you don't have the orange mentioned in the Quran. But you have the zaytun and the rumman. You definitely have the olive and the pomegranates. Subhanallah. Just for that reason, you should have a bit. You know, just for that reason. I mean, why mention it? Because there's a lot of benefits in that. There's not the time to go into a whole discussion about olive oil and olives and pomegranates for that matter. But definitely something that you should think it's Quranic description. description. It's mentioned that it's been chosen. So Allah is saying, كُلُوا مِنْ ثَمَرِهِ إِذَا أَثْمَرُ When it produces its crops, you should eat. وَآتُوا حَقَّهُ يَوْمَ حصاري. But always give the dew from there. That's necessary. وَلَا تُسْرِفُوا This is... The, the, there's not just here, but there's another verse as well. Wala tusrifu. The concept of israf is extravagant. Just because you got a lot doesn't mean that you just are extravagant and you overspend or you buy and then you waste. A lot of people do that. Do that. They buy from Costco, but they don't buy in a measured way because you have to buy bulk. In many cases, Costco, macro, and, and buy one, get one free. I think they're going to prohibit that soon, make that illegal, I think, in England, if they haven't done so already, because it's just getting people to stock up. I mean, there is so much, people, subhanallah, the, the whole, the way our economy works, there is just so much wastage. That's why when you go to buy a sandwich in the stores, do you ever see an end slice sandwich? There are always these middle slices. Where do the end slices go? So you'll see actually in some pictures, there's truckloads that are just disposed of. Farmers were literally pouring down milk because right now they couldn't, give it to hotels and things like that. There's just no other contingency plan in place to feed the poor that are basically suffering around the world. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the various different types of cattle, right? And animals. Thamaniyata azwaj from verse 143. All of that discussion is there about the animals. The benefit of the animals, you use it to uh, mount on, Transport yourself, transport your goods on, you use it to eat, to consume. Allah has put so much benefits in the cattle. Don't mess around with them. Uh, also, you use them for milk. These are for you. I mean, Islam is not a vegetarian uh, religion, but it's not about overindulgence of meat either. Right? In some countries, they have to eat meat to prove that they're Muslim. For example, in India against uh, Hindus, right? because of the whole beef uh, problem. But that's not true. You eat it when you want it. When, when you know, once in a while there are benefits to meat. But you do not eat it like that. Every day that you must eat meat, there's no such thing. The Prophet ﷺ, the majority of the time, did not eat meat. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, there's several other discussions about, uh, about the meats and about animals and the lahm al-khinzir and reiteration of the prohibition of the maita. But now we jump to verse 151. This is almost like a ten commandments of sorts. From here, this is uh, the very famous verse which includes the ten different guidances that are pretty much should be understood by all people of a divine ordained religion, a divinely revealed religion. It's almost like you can say ten commandments of sort. So 
the first of those is Allah to, uh, this is قُلْ تَعَالَوْ أَتْلُ مَا حَرَّمَ رَبُّكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ أَلَّا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Many of us may have read this so many times, but look at what it's saying. That you do not ascribe any partners to Allah. Number two, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا That you owe that to Allah. They're the first ones that look after you when you come into this world. So after Allah, who gives you birth, who gives you birth in this world, who gives you allowance in this world, existence in this world, then He hands it over to your parents. He's still there. But now your parents have a responsibility. They're the first ones. That's why after Allah, your parents come first. All your teachers and everybody come later. Your, your parents come first. وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ مِنْ إِمْلَاقِ Number three then is do not kill your children out of fear of poverty. In fact, the whole discussion of contraception, I don't want to bring it up, but in, in Islam it's allowed in, certain, in many cases. But the one case in which it is not allowed is if you're going to fear that you can't feed your children and that's why you stop having children. Because that's وَمَا مِنْ دَابَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْكُهَا Allah's taken that responsibility. وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ مِنْ إِمْلَاقٍ نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكُمْ وَإِيَّاهُمْ We're going to feed you and them. In other places, نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُهُمْ وَإِيَّاكُمْ But here it's like, we're going to feed you and them. And the th- fourth one is avoid all forms of obscenity and immorality. And unchastity. لا تقرب الفواهش. Don't even get close to unchaste things because it's a very slippery slope. You start with one thing, start revealing a bit, right, and then more and more. Online, you put up one picture with a bit of hair showing, or with a bit of a part of the body that shouldn't be, and then it goes more and more and more. It's a shaitan's path pathway. ما ظهر منها وما بطن. Avoid obscenities, whether they're hidden or whether they're apparent. Allahu Akbar. You know, a whole new idea of hidden obscenity today. Because before, before 20 years or 30 years ago, well, um, it was difficult. It wasn't difficult, but before it would be difficult to have an obscenity inside. Right? But now the avenues of obscenity inside through the medium of the phone and uh, the internet and so on and the consumption that people are doing, especially in this lockdown, there's a greater consumption of obscenity apparently. Right? That which is hidden, nobody else knows about it. This is just maybe another way to look at this. Anyway, number five then is do not kill any nafs, do not kill anybody unrightfully, which is the majority. You just can't do that. There's very particular ways that Islam is allowed. And Allah, this is Allah's guidance to you, counsel to you, so that you understand. Then Allah says the next one. Number six is, don't get close to the wealth of orphans. Right? Um, and then it gives some reasons there. And then number seven would be, وَأَوْفُ الْكَيْلَ وَالْمِيزَانَ بِالْقِسْطِ Make sure your balances are correct. Your scale is correct. Your counting is correct. What you give to others, what you sell to others, how you deal with others, all of that is correct. لَا نُكَلِّفُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وَسَعَ Look, we could make mistakes in that. Maybe there was a slight error. We do not make people, we do not make anybody responsible for what is beyond their ability. Right? وَإِذَا قُلْتُمْ فَعْدِلُوا And then the next one is, uh, the eighth one, which is that make sure that when you speak you're just. So justice. وَلَوْ كَانَ ذَا قُرْبَ Even if that's against or in relationship to your own family, your relatives. And number nine then would be fulfill the covenant of Allah. وَبِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ أَوْفُوا ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ بِهِ 
لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ Okay, that's nine. The next verse, وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاتِي مُسْتَقِيمًا 153. And this is my path, straight path, فَاتَّبِعُوهُ So, follow the path and do not follow other paths which would then basically take you away from this path. Any other path you take, it's going to take you away from some of the path of Islam. So that Allah says, we, we provide this guidance to you so that you can uh, have taqwa and be God-fearing. Then it moves on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa If you want all of these things and you want all goodness, this is the book which we've revealed. It is blessed. Follow it. Have taqwa so that you can gain mercy from Allah. You want mercy? Read the book. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this series that we've done a source of mercy for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings up something again from the deen of Isa, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, which is, قُلْ إِنَّنِي هَدَانِي رَبِّي إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ دِينًا قِيَمًا مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِلْ مُشْرِكِينَ Verse 161, right? Just say to them, remember this was all about a discourse with the disbelievers. So finally Allah is telling him, just say to them that my Lord has guided me to the straight path. Right? This is the straight deen, it's the, it's the, it is the religion of, the Ibra- of Ibrahim السلام, which is the one of pure monotheism and he was not of the idolaters, so he was not of the, those who ascribe partners. And then say, قُلْ Now this is, you can say one of the most famous verses of submission. When a person wants to declare their submission to Allah, قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ May Allah make that a reality for us. Say that my prayer, my other rights, my living and my dying is all for Allah, the Lord of the worlds. So those who blaspheme Allah, those who say, hey, you believe in Allah, right? And you believe, you know, where is your God to help you in this case and everything like that? Read this verse. This if you read this, it's almost like a dua. It's almost like giving yourself strength. Mark these, ver- mark these verses. I, I try to mention some of the, you know, those very uh, profound verses that help us in different situations like that. So, قُلْ إِنَّ salati, which is verse 162. There's no partner for him and by that have I been commanded and I am the first of the submitters. And then finally, the, to end the surah, uh, the last two verses, they distinguish between those who do good and those who do bad. This, the, the famous idea is here, the famous fact, nobody's going to carry the sin and burden of another. Right? That's a clear, that's a clear principle in the Quran. Uh, you're all going to, right? and uh, you're going to be in your own grave, you're going to have your own record books, we're all going to have our own, may Allah make our good books good. Then eventually, your return is to your Lord. And then He will, re- he will inform you about all of those things that you would differ about. Clearly, because the truth is going to be manifest there. But again, with everything, Allah is very swift in His punishment, but then almost always, Targheeb and Targheeb. Persuasion, dissuasion. So here there's dissuasion first, and then وَإِنَّهُ لَغَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ But Allah is forgiving, and He's the most merciful. Stops at that. Now let us begin Surah Al-A'raf. 
So now you understand Surah Al-An'am, basically it was about the, the detailed discussion about cattle and, and their varieties and so on. So that is why that surah is called Surah Al-An'am. The next one is Surah Al-A'raf, it rhymes with An'am, which is the seventh surah of the Qur'an. This is also a Makki surah. So it's also a Meccan surah. And there are now more verses in here, 206 verses, as compared to the 165 of this previous so it moves up. Again, it's going to discuss the fundamental beliefs and tenets. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, again, it begins with huruf al-muqatta'at. And again, you'll see the trend. Alif, lam, mim, sad. Kitabun unzila ilayka fala yakun fi sadrika haraj. Kitabun unzila ilayk. The book which has been revealed to you. Must be a connection between those two as the ulama have mentioned. Anyway, at the beginning of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses, concerning, reiterates the living miracle, which is the Quran as which we just, just mentioned. And after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about certain other things, about the day of judgment and everything. But then the main discussion for, uh, that starts at verse 11, for example, and so on. After saying, وَلَقَدْ مَكَّنَّاكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ like we've settled you into, in the ground and we've made all of your um, items of welfare that you need. We've supplied you with them. But قَلِيلًا مَا تَشْكُرُونَ You know, uh, such little uh, do you, um, do, do, do you uh, express gratitude. Uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we created you. So the next verse is 11. وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَاكُمْ ثُمَّ صَوَّرْنَاكُمْ We created you. We formed you. We gave you all of that. We made you very special. Out of all of the creation we created, ثُمَّ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمِ Then for your first father, we, we ordered the angels to prostrate. That is to show, كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمِ That's to show the nobility of the human race. That such pure, pure beings as angels who can do no wrong, Allah is telling them to bow down to Adam السلام, فَسَجَدُوا And they did it. Illa Iblis, except the Iblis. Lam yakum min who did not become of the prostrators. Now the whole discussion is of the discourse between Allah and the Shaytan. And then Adam alayhi salam's discussion. So the whole inception of misguidance, the whole inception of deviance in this world, the introduction of evil in this world, until then it's purity. Now the introduction of evil, shaitan now becomes evil, becomes rejected one. So that whole discussion is there, you know, for so many verses beyond verse 22. But the main thing that's discussed in there is shaitan's uh, deception, right? So that the purpose of it is not just to tell us the inception, but to remind us that he was an enemy of your father. He misled your father, took them out of paradise. So why should you become a friend of, you know... In, in the West, we live very individualized lifestyles, right? The philosophy now is individualism as opposed to tribalism or familyism, if that's such a thing, right? But otherwise, everywhere else, I mean, people were tribal, you know, they were very tribal. Like, your father said something, that's it. You didn't go against your father. That's been the patriarchal community as such. The father, whatever he said, that was it. The elders of the community. But now you'd be hard-pressed to find a father and son that think alike. Sometimes for good reasons, that the father's on some other level, and mashallah, the, the son or daughter is 
mashallah, very guided and, uh, you know, gets it. Father is very hugely negatively cultural, because all culture isn't bad, that's why I say negatively cultural. So some cases it's a good thing, but otherwise we live individualism, right? So it's very difficult to understand it. So now telling us that your father was, you know, shaitan was the thing of your father, like who cares about my father, people are going to say. Well, I say, no, that's important, right? You have some genetics of your father at the end of the day. Your father is important for you, meaning your father, your parents in general, not just your father, because it was your father and your mother, there was Hawa alayhi salam, right? Eve and Adam alayhi salam. So that deception is discussed. And one of the, um, you, you can inshallah read that for yourself, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, how shaitan managed to make them uh, or convince them to eat of that tree. Uh, anyway, it moves on. Now, from verse 26, it's some uh, very unique feature of Surah Al-A'raf. From verse 26. Some of you may have noticed this expression when reading it. There's four of them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Ya Bani Adam. Ya Bani Adam. There's four of them. Like very close together, and they, I don't think they come anywhere else. As far as I understand, they don't come anywhere else. There's four of them together in one place, because there's a huge discussion in about ten verses or so about Adam salam, right? The inception, the deception, and so on, and coming to the earth, and uh, and now Allah says, bitu Now you go to the earth, and you're going to be enemies of one another. The shaitan and the human is going to be an enemy, um, and. Ya Bani Adama. So now, O children of Adam, that's who he's addressing, that's how he's addressing us. O children of Adam. And what's interesting that out of these, out of these three Ya Bani Adam, which means O children of Adam, four times, right? That's verse 26, then verse 27, then again in verse 31, and then finally again in verse 35, Ya Bani Adam. Three of those are to do with clothing, covering. Covering nakedness, Allahu Akbar. And I've never thought about this in this kind of depth. When you look at it together, it makes a lot of sense. So that's, a, as I said, it's a special khususiyah of this chapter to have this. And uh, the first one is, O oh, oh children of Adam, we've revealed to you, we've sent down libas, clothing, which will cover your nakedness. Although the best of your clothing is your taqwa. That's why we have some niqabis as well, or uh, some well-covered men, but their attitude is not very chaste. Right? But that doesn't mean that that should be a reason for people not to cover well. Like you show us, they say, oh, we've seen niqabis or hijabis, they're not very good at this or that. Well, why don't you show the best example that you be good at this, that, and do niqab, or have a beard? Right? Say, oh, those people who come for Jumu'ah, they cheat. Well, why don't you come for Jumu'ah and not cheat and give a better example? People have some weird shaitani ideas about these things sometimes. So shaitan messes some up this way and some up this way. So that's about libas. The second verse is, Ya Bani Adam, shaitan. Uh, O children of Adam, do, let shaitan not uh, lead you to fitna, let him not entice you away. And just like he took, his, uh, just like he took your parents out of Jannah, Right, by pulling off them their libas. Because when they ate from the fruit, فَبَدَتْ مِنْ لَهُمَا سَوْآتُهُمَا Then they, they, whatever they were, they, their nakedness became revealed. إِنَّهُ يَرَاكُمْ And then another really ominous tone here. Right, o- ominous message is like, 
they see you. Shaitan sees you. Him and his entire tribe sees you from where you do not see them. They've got one over you in that sense. But if you have the dhikr of Allah, they, they won't be able to do anything. Right? Uh, and then there's a discussion, when they do a, an aspect of obscenity or immorality, then they, make an ex- they, they give an excuse. Their excuse is, uh, so what they used to do, the backdrop of this is that they used to do tawaf of the Kaaba naked. Men in the daytime, women in the evening. Because they said, this was again an idea, that the clothing, we can't wear, apparently one of, one of the reasons was the clothing that we wear to sin, we can't go and do tawaf with that. Right? So, so if you said, why are you doing this obscenity? They would say, Kalu wajidna alayha aba'ana. This is how we found our forefathers. This is what our forefathers used to do, as though that's an evidence. Well, and then in some cases, they wouldn't say, Wallahu amarana bihada. Allah commanded us to do this. So in the beginning of Islam, it was actually very relaxed. Uh, sorry, before Islam, it was very relaxed. I mean, immor- uh, nudity was not a big deal. Not at all. I mean, the stories about the, the Prophet ﷺ was very young when they were building the Kaaba. And he was very shy, very embarrassed, you know, very, a lot of modesty. He was carrying stones. So they were making a mark. He only had one loins cloth on. He was a young boy. So his uncle told him, like, you know, he felt sorry for him that he's going to make a mark. He said, take off your loins cloth, put it there so it protects the, your shoulder. You'd obviously be naked, but that wasn't a concern. The Prophet, after a lot of persons, did it, but then he fainted. So he had natural, may Allah give us that modesty. Right, that kind of bashfulness, right? Whereas today, bashfulness is out of the window. And the Prophet has talked about modesty being a major branch of faith, that your, imp- your faith is impacted with a decrease in modesty. And But people think, I have to do it. This is the kind of clothing they sell. This is what Primark sells, right? There's no other clothing that, you know, and this is how everybody else dresses. I don't want to look out of place, subhanAllah. Look at the emphasis here. Then Allah says, Ya Bani Adam, khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. O children of Adam, you can take your adornment. You know, when you, when you, especially when you go for salat, you should dress up. You know, religiously when you're for salat. Because this is similar to a, a command of the Quran that every masjid, every place of prostration, you should pray in good clothing. So for a lot of people, praying in t-shirts is seen as very bad. In fact, even in the West, coming out with a t-shirt in public was a bad thing before, but now it's the norm. Like a hundred years ago, you'd be looked down upon for doing that. Everybody dressed well. As I said, for hundreds of years, or thousands of years, decent has suddenly totally changed now. Right? And again, we don't even know how the effects of that yet. Anyway, then the famous, uh, uh, the famous maxim of health. Kulu, washrabu, wala tusrivu. Eat, drink, and do not, do not waste. Do not be extravagant. Allah does not like the extravagant ones. Okay. Then the last Yabani Adam is, uh, is not about clothing. That's more about uh, if a messenger comes to you to tell you, just to give glad tidings to those who do follow and have taqwa. Now, to move on quickly, see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned these few points. Very important because why such emphasis in so many verses, and especially the ones that relate to the children of Adam, right? And three of them are about basically morality and clothing. Now throughout history, the majority, overwhelming majority of tribes and peoples of the world, clothing was part of it. Yes, you do have a few, you, you do have in some different places where clothing, well, clothing is not a big deal. But I think even among them, there's very few who would actually expose everything. 
think in terms of the genitalia, that's, you know, really majority, overwhelming majority would cover at least that much. That's a fitra. It's a fitra, right? But they're just finding new ways to make it lesser and lesser because obviously there's an attraction about it. It's not the time to get into this, but these verses are very telling that this is one of the first ways of shaitan. And you know how we can see that? Is whenever there's a Muslim country where they women dress, you know, covered, the, one of the biggest criticisms, like when they went to Afghanistan and other places, right? One of the biggest criticisms of liberal, or, or one of the biggest missions of liberalization is to change the dress. That's a big idea. That's a big deal. That's why there's a constant attack on hijab. The simplest answer to hijab is not, it's my choice. Because the question that comes up is, why is it your choice? You've been indoctrinated to make that choice. A lot of women say, because it's my choice. It's not really an answer. It's an answer on one level. The real answer is, why is there even a problem with covering your hair? Why is it any less better than not covering? Why is wearing jeans and t-shirts superior from a statistical, research-oriented, health-oriented perspective? Who says or who sets these values? But it's so ingrained that this is uh, subjugation that people have an issue. So you need to challenge that subjugation aspect and challenge that, okay, who's making these value judgments for you? And why is your value judgment superior to mine? I wear hijab because I think it's superior for me because my Lord told me that. You wear it because your culture tells you that. I think my Lord is superior to the culture. So you have to get it to that fundamental level. But remember this, that this is something you should really reflect upon. Those who are having doubts about the whole you know, hijab issue or whatever. Why is this such a strong link? Talking about children of Adam after the talking about the deception of, uh, of the shaitan uh, to Adam and the whole idea that's mentioned there that their nakedness was exposed. After they ate from the tree. That's the first path. Once you, once you start doing that, everything. You, a lot of people say that that's the change we see among people. When their clothing changes, we see their whole mindset change as well. Or maybe the clothing follows the mindset. Now, the next part then is uh, in Surah Al-A'raf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then moves on to the discussion of paradise. The hereafter. Allahu Akbar. Um, those who do wrong, they're not going to enter into paradise. But then there's this whole discussion about... See, the discussion now is about the two groups, the believers and the disbelievers. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides a discourse as to what's going to happen on the day of judgment, after decisions have been made. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنَادَى أَصْحَابُ Those people who go into paradise now, they're going to have a discourse with the people of hellfire. وَنَادَى أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ أَصْحَابَ النَّارِ أَنْ قَدْ وَجَدْنَا مَا وَعَدَنَا رَبُّنَا حَقَّا Allahu Akbar, I wish we can say that one day. Right, the people of Jannah are going to tell the people of the fire and say that, you know, whatever our Lord promised us, we found it to be truth. Alhamdulillah. You know, the, the, all of those places the teacher said he's going to come in the exam, when he got in there, Alhamdulillah was there. Imagine the dua you have in your heart then. Alhamdulillah, you know, like, that's just... Thank you, God. Right? What about you know? What about what your Lord's promised? Did you find that to be the truth? But hijab. Then after that, there's going to be some people. So there's paradise and there's hell, and then there's a araf, which is what this surah is being named after. What is this araf? So araf is kind of this intermediate realm between paradise and hell, like a midway, right? 
a, a cafe in between. Not, not a very good service station. But it's in between. And there's going to be people on there. Who are these? These are believers, by the way. Because if disbelievers, that's hellfire. If you're a believer, but you're... Allah protect... But if the evil deeds are more than the good deeds, then a judgment hasn't been made to send you to hellfire either. Then you're on Araf. It's like a waiting. It's going to be quite tough. But I guess some people might think at least it's better than being in hellfire. Right? But I don't know if anybody's going to compare like that on that day. Now in perspective it seems like that but when you're on the day it's like I'm not in paradise right? so there's also a discussion now between the people of the A'raf and the people of Hellfire but that happens after this uh, Allah says in verse 49 because even these people of the A'raf through the mercy of Allah they will also go into paradise now enter paradise right? And now there's going to be no fear on you And you're never going to grieve So then Now the people of hellfire They look at the people of paradise Now why do they see it? It's just to make it worse for them When you see the goodness and you can't get in So they say send some water down Like pour some water down for us You've got water Remember, they're not going to have water. They're going to have boiling water that's going to basically just tear up the intestines inside. So, whatever else Allah has provided you with, send some down for us. They will say, Allah has made it unlawful on the disbelievers. Right? Those who used to make their deen into a mockery, into a plaything. And this dunya had deceived them. So today we're going to make them forgotten just as they had for made forgotten this day of ours. They're never worried about this day. Remember, your ticket's booked for December. Like, you know what I mean by December. You're not dying in December, but you know what I mean. You better focus. Don't forget that you have to go then miss your flight completely, but they still have to end up there. So... Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a number of other things. Uh, from verse 54, I'm going to just quickly do this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about certain um, cosmic ideas about creating the heavens and the earth in six days. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the arsh, which is a huge symbol of his might. Because in a hadith, the arsh, the world, as compared just to the kursi, the footstool, is basically like a ring thrown into a vast desert. A ring in a vast desert. There's just no comparison. That's the size, the physical size of the arsh. And that arsh is actually the roof of the highest paradise, the penthouse. That's how big. There's a lot of real estate up there. Because remember, the last person out of hellfire, the biggest sinner in the world who finally gets forgiven, he's going to have up to 10 times the size of this world. So there's a lot of real estate up there that Allah has preserved for us. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a number of other things. And finally, the last, few, the, the, the last few sections of this chapter, they are about uh, the various different prophets. Just different prophets and uh, they're just short, short stories. Short, short anecdotal stories from about five or six different prophets just for us to learn from. So let's just, it's the, 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 the prophets that will be, the first one starts at 
verse 59 لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا So talks about Nuh alayhi salam very briefly Not a huge story, not a very detailed story Nuh alayhi salam, then Hud alayhi salam Salih alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam Shu'ib alayhi salam and Musa alayhi salam And what are the wisdoms in this? You can go through this yourself and reflect over them The wisdoms in is to show that Most of these prophets were harmed by their people Opposed by their people And slandered and given a lot of difficulty so while we're not prophets but we can expect also to be harmed by people who if you especially when you become a bit more practicing you're gonna it's a sunnah of the prophets let's put it that way if you there's a lot of people who don't wear hijab then when they start wearing it the worst time is the beginning first few weeks your own friends your own families and what are you doing they're gonna start feeling guilty right uh, they're going to start feeling guilty. So they're going to say like, why are you doing? You're making us feel guilty. I won't say that though. You're going to face a lot of opposition. Just, just remember that this is the way of the prophets. You do it for your iman. That's why uh, it's almost like a granted that you're going to get some difficulty. May Allah give us afia. But you're going to get some difficulty for your faith. And that's just the normal trend of Allah for people who do good and for, for belief. So that's one of the benefits. Number two, what will be eventually though, those who are arrogant and those who do these, uh, who commit these harms and problems, what is their ending? So in all of these, they talk about their ending, right? In, in, in a lot of them, they discuss about their ending. And uh, so you have, فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ بِرَحْمَةٍ مِنَّا وَقَطَعْنَا دَابِرَ الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَمَا كَانُوا مُؤْمِنِينَ uh, Verse 72, for example, you've got again, فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَأَهْلَهُ About... Uh, Salih alayhi salam um, or Lut alayhi salam we, we gave him safety we delivered him and his family except his wife she was messed up right even though having a prophet as a husband we showered the rains upon them and then so that it talks about the evil consequence of those who do wrong then after that it also tells us that one of the things that you learn from all of this is that it does take time for persecution to stop, for difficulties to discontinue, and for goodness to come and for ease and smoothness to be realized. It does take time. In the sunnah of Allah, in the way of Allah, that happens. right? But there's definitely no darkness in that. You will be illuminated in the heart. The more difficulties you, you go, once you go beyond the threshold, you'll actually start feeling that. And uh, number uh, the next one is that uh, it also then reiterates the truthfulness of the Prophet Risala. And finally, there's lots of other advice that we can take from there through you know, the difficulties faced and, and so on and so forth. Now to round it up, or round it off rather, we just go through quickly. There are some fiqh and theology points mentioned at the beginning. Uh, about saying Bismillah, for example, at the beginning of the eighth chapter, saying Bismillah upon your, uh, upon the Zabiha, upon the animal that you're sacrificing, and don't eat from that which uh, Allah's name has not been taken on. Then after that, the heart being uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opening up the heart and so on, uh, and the constriction of the heart, the expansion of the heart for Islam, it's from Allah. So ask Allah if you're having trouble with these kind of things. Then the next thing is how. How shaitan adorns certain deeds for people. وَكَذَلِكَ زَيَّنَ لِكَ Surah Al-An'am verse 137. Right? And how you're just told to leave those who don't believe. Just فَذَرْهُمْ وَمَا يَفْتَرُونَ 
in, in verse 137, for example. Then there's the discussion of... If you think about... if you There'll be numerous lessons that you learn just in general as you're going through. But the one verse which was a very important verse, which was, قُلْ إِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Which was the verse 162, where everything of ours should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that finishes off Surah Al-An'am. Surah Al-A'raf then discusses the whole discourse of the shaitan, his rejection, Adam salam, and then how Adam salam ate, and then everything that happened afterwards, and the revealing of the nakedness, and then the Ya Bani Adam, uh, the, the four Ya Bani Adams, uh, or children of Adam salam. But one of the points that I want to highlight is verse, uh, verse 17. Shaitan says this, I've left it to the last, ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ وَلَا تَجِدُ أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ This is shaitan's kind of warning, promise, whatever. His vow. He's saying, I'm surely going to approach them, attack them, uh, beguile them, whatever, right? From in front of them, from behind them, from their right, from their left you will not find the majority of them to be grateful. We want to be grateful, we want to go against that, because if we are not grateful and we fall into this, we've lost. Shaitan's won in that sense. So some ulama have said that that's why you really want from Allah, and you're scared of all of these others, get into sujood. Shaitan can't come to you from the sujood. Cannot come to you from the prostration. Uh, another point is the verse 33. Which we talked about that Allah has prohibited and made unlawful all forms of immoralities, whatever that be, right? Uh, and uh, the hidden, the open, and may Allah protect us from that as well. The discussion, the discourse between the people of hellfire and paradise, in paradise and araf and so on. And then finally, when you look at, when you read the description of the enemies of Allah and the enemies of the prophets and they say um, for example inna lanaraka fi dalalim mubin we see you in uh, this is this was the accusation to the uh, on the prophets from his people we see you in manifest error like we think your ways are wrong this is the real way this is the enlightened way can you see parallels right another one in verse 60 that was 60 verse 66 again inna lanaraka fi safaha Right, we see you in foolish. We see that you know you you have foolishness, right? In, engaged in foolishness, and we just think of you to be uh, to be wrong. That that's where these statements of letterboxes come from. That Muslim women uh, resemble letterboxes. It's basically to have that kind of psycholinguistic discourse to demean and to make inferior this whole practice. To make it seem like, no, how can that be the case? To such a degree that even some Muslims believe that. Or sway in that direction that, no, niqab is too much. The wives of the Prophet did it. So even if you don't want to do it, don't take it out of Islam. Right? Even if you can't do it, you don't want to do it, that's fine. That's understandable as long as you don't reject it. Don't reject it and consider it something to be just ISIS. Right? And unfortunately, ISIS may have done that. 
which basically puts niqab in a bad light. They hijack the niqab and the, and, the, and the beards and all the rest of it, which is a problem. Anyway, that, by that we end our eighth juice of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. May Allah accept. Sorry, I've gone a bit overboard again and it's becoming a bit of a trend. It has to stop. So uh, inshallah, one hour is what we promised. So we should stick to that. So please pray that we can do that tomorrow. Inshallah, one hour. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Wherever you are, please remember us in your du'as. And may Allah shower the rest of your Ramadan with great blessings and drench us in his mercy. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Wa akhirul da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.